Do you find yourself on the path to leadership? Or do you love events and fairs? Either way, you are going to love this episode with Courtney Conkle, who is the general manager of the Wyoming State Fair and Rodeo. This is part of our series with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30. And in this podcast, we go beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinfeld. Let's tack up and head out. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Saddle and part of our series with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30. Today, I have Courtney Conkle, and she's got lots of wonderful things to tell us about event management and all the work that she does in the state of Wyoming. And she is just like my state sister. She's just north of me a little bit, so I'm really looking forward to this. So, Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, and thank you for having me, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. We are going to have some fun, and I can't wait to share your journey and all that you do. So let's start there. Tell us, what what is your job? What's your title, and what do you do? So currently, I am the general manager of the Wyoming State Fair here in Douglas, Wyoming, and I oversee all things fair and fairgrounds. So I manage the day-to-day operations of our fairgrounds campus, as well as oversee the production of our annual state fair. Oh my gosh, so fun. What a great facility. What a great place to be. Um, When is fair for people who aren't familiar? So our annual state fair takes place in August. This year in 2024, it'll be August 13th through 17th. That is going to be here before you know it. Are you feeling like (laughs) you're excited? Are you on a fun path of planning things out? Definitely. Um, You know, these are kind of those last couple months that we finalize all the details for the current year's fair And really, we're looking forward to, you know, 25, 26, and 27. And so really, there's so many irons in the fire, so we can just make sure that the fair and the fairgrounds are getting better and better every year. Oh my gosh, that long-term planning is so important when you're looking at a complex and event like this. Talk to us about the scope that is the fair, right? So I'm sure that there's a 4-H program and rodeo and just all of the pieces that go into it. Like help paint the picture for anyone who hasn't been. Absolutely. So here at the Wyoming State Fairgrounds, our fairgrounds campus is 137 acres and we've got 60 buildings throughout the entire campus. So there's lots and lots to it. And then throughout the year, we have over 400 events that take place here on an interim basis, as well as the Wyoming State Fair, which we produce. And then we also are home to the Converse County Fair. So there's a lot of different partners that we work with. We work with renters from all over the world that produce their events here, as well as, of course, working with our community partners and our statehood partners. So there's a lot of people that work tirelessly behind the scenes to make sure every event is special and make sure that every aspect of what we do here as the state fairgrounds, as well as the state fair, is the most important thing to the folks that they're working on it with. So it's really a a key element is that community and sort of that partnership with everybody that it takes to produce these various events. So much goes into it. And what a complex 400 plus events throughout the year. Like I can't even wrap my head around that. There's only 365 days. (laughs) So that's a lot. You guys are busy. (laughs) Definitely. You know, in 2023, we had 479 unique event days. So we are just like churning and burning and have something going on almost every day of the year. 
And of those, over half of our event days in 2023 were equine affiliated. So that's just such a critical component to sort of the health and the economic nature of what we do here as a fairgrounds. Oh, I bet. And I bet the state of Wyoming thanks you. Have you guys ever done an economic impact study of like the Wyoming State Fair or like of the complex itself? That'd be so interesting. Such a good question. We're actually working on our very first one. We've partnered with Worth, which is um, Wyoming Outdoor Tourism and Recreation, and they're going to be helping us with that just to be able to quantify the impact that an organization like this has on a year-round basis because we it's one of those really unique partnerships where we kind of serve as an ecosystem where you've got government entities working with small businesses and entrepreneurs and nonprofits. So it's kind of this melting pot of, you know, all these different economic incubators working together for the greater good, which is such a cool thing to be a part of. Well, and so necessary, like you said, I mean, the government interacting with, you know, everybody down to the entrepreneurs and the small business folks coming together at the state level to put on these events and to interact, like you don't get that, that melting pot very often. And, and, you know, you don't get to see the visual of them all coming together and how those pieces have to move. Sounds like it might be challenging, right? For you to navigate all of those different motives and needs. We definitely have to um, switch our hats quite a bit, but it's a really cool thing to get to be a steward of because I think that that is so important that not only do we have, you know, all these different layers of business working together and government working together, but it's still a way that we can preserve those values too. You know, at the Wyoming State Fair, our four pillars of our organization are agriculture, education, youth, and Western lifestyle. And so it gives us a pretty great platform on a year-round basis to be able to connect those pillars with our different events. Oh, I love those pillars. So agriculture, education, youth, and Western lifestyle. That is like the quintessential pieces of everything that I feel like a lot of us stand for in this industry. And I love that that is part of your decision-making and part of, you know, those conversations you're having day in and day out. I totally agree. And the other thing that they really fall into place with is our master planning and like the implementation of some of our facility projects, even over the next 10 years, is making sure that we're aligning with those values so we can really preserve what the state fair is supposed to represent and what it's been able to represent for over 100 years. So those really resonate not only with, you know, our history and our heritage, but with the longevity of our state fair as well. Sure. Oh my gosh. Over a hundred years. That's just crazy to think about. And you are now part of that history. <laughs> That's so cool. I know it's so crazy. So the state fair here um, was founded in 1905. So this is our 119th year of being in existence here in Converse County. And it's just, it's so cool to be able to be here and see it move into the future. But it's also wild because even when I got here, um, I'm our first female executive that we've had in over that 100-year history, so a pretty big honor to get to wear that hat as well. Hey, sister, that is awesome. Oh my gosh, I can't think of a better person to be leading that and to have that honor either. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's super kind of you. Uh, well, let's talk about your journey. I mean, you are in a milestone position uh, within the organization, but you didn't get there overnight, so how did you end up here? You know, it's such a fun thing to get to talk a little bit about because it really goes back to that family history and heritage. My family has been in the fair industry for almost 40 years at this point. 
Um, my parents have got concessions, and so they actually travel to lots and lots of different fairs throughout California and into Oregon. And I grew up in that side of the industry, so I got to go to about 30 fairs a year growing up. And when I was a teenager, I made the decision that I wanted to kind of switch gears and go to the administrative side of fairs and eventually hopefully have the opportunity to enter into fair management. And so when I was 17 and I went to college, I was blessed with the opportunity to get to serve as the exhibit representative at the Sonoma Marin Fair in California. And I stayed in that role for several years. And then when I turned 20, I was asked to be the interim CEO. <laughs> and at that time, that made me the youngest fair manager in history, which was crazy. And from there, I was able to serve as the interim executive at Sonoma Marin. I went on to become the CEO of the Lake County Fair in Northern California. And then I migrated out here to Wyoming in 2019. So I've been um, incredibly blessed with a lot of very unique opportunities for my age. And I've been so thankful to um, be trusted with these organizations that have so much history and integrity to be able to help guide them into the future. Holy cow, you have been in leadership positions, including CEO, as young as 20 years old. Talk about being thrown into it and really having to like grow quickly um, to, to level into those, those conversations. Talk to me what that was like. Like, what was one of your first like eye-opening moments of like, holy cow, I'm the person, I gotta make this decision. You know, it's been such an interesting path over the past decade of having the opportunity to be in these types of leadership positions. But right out of the gate, when I was um, the interim executive at the Sonoma Marin Fair, we had one of our headlining concerts cancel that same day. And it was one of those where you're immediately, everyone's looking at you, you're the decision maker. How are we going to move past this? And we were able to work with our partners and reroute another large-scale headlining entertainer to be able to come through our region that same evening, roll out the media announcements. But that was really the first big, hard thing that I had to do. And that was no joke. On my first day of an open fair as the executive, that happened. <laughs> and so pretty oh fast, God. you just learn that, you know, you've got to lead by example and keep your cool because people are going to look to you for that kind of leadership. Talk about being thrown into the deep end. Wow. But you definitely, it sounds like you handled it, you know, and I can't even imagine you look back on that experience and think fondly of how you handled it and that it's behind you. I'm sure you were, <laughs> you were pretty happy when that, you know, was behind you and everything, you know, ended up being smooth sailing from there. I'm sure. I hope anyway. Yes, definitely. And, you know, we look back on those types of things and you kind of you laugh because in the grand scheme, those types of issues or challenges aren't that crazy. They're not that hard to combat, but also being faced with some pretty serious things. Like when I was in California, we had evacuation centers and fire camps and PG&E, which is um, the electric distribution company for the state of California on site on grounds due to natural disasters. And so it just serves as another way that you can support your community. But it's those types of things that really become challenging because, you know, I'm a fair manager. I know a lot about the fair industry and the fair sector, but there's so much that we interface with in the world of being a large scale facility 
that you're not prepared for until you're faced with it. So there's a lot of um, learning by doing and being able to be hands-on and open-minded as you go through the process of evolving in your career. Sure, absolutely. Um, talk to us a little, if you don't mind, like give us some of your best advice for dealing with that pressure. Like you have been put in these roles and have had to, to help people in, it sounds like a myriad of circumstances where there's a lot of eyeballs on you and the decision that you make is going to affect, you know, the event attendees, the people who are interacting at the complex, your, you know, trade show folks, your concession folks, your exhibitors. How do you deal? What would be your advice to people who are facing situations where they're feeling that kind of pressure? I think that there's two ways that I've been able to sort of combat that as a challenge and almost when you're faced with those moments of imposter syndrome too throughout your career. And the two ways that I would encourage everybody to take a step back and really evaluate how they're dealing with their career growth and even just their involvement in their industries would be first, you've got to find that balance of having enough trust in yourself and that courage of conviction that you know you're going to act with integrity and you're going to make the best decisions that you can with the information that you have at the time that you're forced to make those decisions. And then the second aspect of that is surrounding yourself with a great network of people. And that's you know, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be here talking with you today. It's one of the reasons why I'm so thankful to be a part of this season's class of Cowgirl 30 Under 30, is just expanding that network and surrounding yourself with good people that understand the challenges that you're faced with so that way you can make sure that you've got that network to fall back on because not every decision is a fun decision to make, but being able to have people to go to to discuss those decisions that have been made and also to work through issues together, that has been what has kept me sane throughout the last 10 years of my career and what will definitely keep me on track for the remainder of my career is being surrounded by great people, but also making sure that I've got enough courage in myself that I know I'm going to make the best decisions that I can for the people that we know it's going to impact. Oh, I love so much of that courage and connections and they're so intertwined and it is so important. I also love that you said, you know, that integrity and knowing that you're and believing in yourself, that you're making the best decision information you have at the time. And I think a lot of times we look back on a scenario and maybe look back on it with guilt and be like, man, I wish I would have known or this or acted in that way instead. And I, I kind of want to like absolve anyone who has felt that way, because as Courtney just said, like all you can do is act with integrity and do the best you can with the information available to you. And you, you're not going to have a crystal ball, but you can certainly surround yourself with people who will help you see it in the best light from all of the angles that they have. There's so much experience that we can kind of share, but you're never going to be able to predict the future. So absolve yourself of that guilt, right? And just know that you're going to act with integrity and make the best decision that you can with what you know now. Definitely. So well said. And, you know, I think just embracing that we're always evolving and growing and learning and we're not finished products. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to wish that we maybe would have done something different, but we can't let that prevent us from moving forward. Oh, absolutely. And it's sometimes easier said than done, right? Like we want to get in that circle and we just can't get out of it, <laughs> but it's worth a shot, right? We should all try to kind of, to aspire to that <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, I also want to talk about your 
like personal development topic here that I absolutely love. And that's aligning your personal interests and values to your professional career. Like, how are you finding fulfillment in those items that really resonate with you? How have you seen that in your life? And what advice do you have for anyone else who's on that journey looking to find their path? I think it's one of those really important elements about feeling fulfilled and finding your passion and finding your calling is determining how you can align your growth and your development with what you do for a living. And I know that that's I mean, for so many people, that's the dream, right? But I really feel like if we can look at it intentionally, we can find those connections in anything that you do professionally. For me personally, this comes to alignment in a few ways. I'm incredibly passionate about the values that the Wyoming State Fair represents, and I'm blessed to be able to be a part of those in the day-to-day. But also, I really take the evolution of the fair industry or the fair sector really seriously, because I think that it's incredibly important economically, it's incredibly important in terms of agriculture education, and it's really important for community vitality. So I try to make sure that the things that I'm doing personally and professionally align with the betterment of the fair sector as a whole. And a few ways right now that I'm currently working on that, I'm trying to um, get sort of a living legacy program off the ground to capture some of that institutional knowledge from the fair industry that is currently starting to retire out of the industry because we're losing a lot of institutional knowledge from the past 50, 60 years. So I really want to make sure that from like a historic preservation standpoint, I'm doing what I can to make sure that we're documenting that history. So we have that to make good informed decisions for the future of fair industry. And then the other thing that I'm just getting ready to start is I'm going to be attending law school in an effort to have a better understanding about fair sector law and agricultural law to make sure that as we move forward into sort of the future of what fairs and events look like, that I'm able to have that educational background to support the vitality of the fair industry. So that way we can make sure that we're preserving agriculture and Western lifestyle and education for generations to come. Oh my goodness. The fair industry is so lucky to have you and your dedication to not only your future and how you can make the industry better, but preserving that knowledge and preserving the past and the history there. I really, I'm, I'm in awe of you. I'm really that you're going to be a force to be reckoned with when you pair that with that law degree and that knowledge of how you can interact with that space and move it forward and create, you know, framework maybe for the industry to be bigger and better girl the you are just on a rocket ship. <laughs> you are so sweet. I think it's, you know, when we look around at what we love and what we're passionate about, I think the one thing we can all agree with is that we want to make sure that we preserve those things for future generations. And that's really what I feel called to do within the fairs is how cool is it that we've got these events that have been taking place for well over a hundred years. We need to make sure that we're building the type of foundation that those can sustain for a very long time to come. Sure. Absolutely. Can I also just highlight for just a moment and brag on you for a minute here, because the fact that you are thinking about that is just so amazing. But also you highlight another great point of people who are looking at things that are important to them, values that are important to them. 
how many people out there have even thought about the law surrounding, you know, and the legal ramifications or, you know, any kind of, you know, framework in that space around fairs, right? There's a lot of people who love events and love those things, but I would venture a guess that not very many of them have put two and two together thinking like, oh my gosh, like, of course there's a whole sector of like law school that, that could apply in this space. And I think you're just a testament to looking at those things that really resonate with you and looking deeper into the industry to say, there's a need here. There's a niche that I can lean into and grow myself in that space, gain that knowledge and bring it back to the thing that I absolutely love. I could not agree with you more. And we look around and we're super blessed as an industry to have, you know, strong ag lawyers. And we've got folks that are out there supporting policy and development for agriculture. And fairs are such a big part of agriculture, but it's so niche. So I think it's really critical that we keep growing the talent pool of people that can support all of these different elements of agriculture just to support our industry, really. And that goes hand in hand with Western lifestyle and being able to make sure that we've got a bright future ahead for rodeo, for stock shows, and for production agriculture alike. You are so right. I do not know what the agricultural industry would look like without fairs and events, truly. <laughs> I I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, I just, I'm so excited about the future of what that looks like. And I'm blessed to have good mentors too that are going to help me to kind of get my footing because it is so specified. But those are, you know, those are the things that make me excited to get out of bed in the morning to help ensure that there's going to be a bright future. Because we're so lucky that there's been people generations ahead of us that have done that same thing for us to be able to be in the positions that we're in today. Amen. Oh my goodness. Changing gears just slightly. I want to like paint a little bit more of the picture of your story. So it sounds like you were on the road a lot with your family um, in the concession business. So, but somewhere was home base. Where are you from originally? So I'm originally from a really small town called Lakeport in California. If you are a bass fisherman, you've probably heard of it. If you are not, then um, nobody has because it's about 5,000 people. <laughs> It's known for pears. It's one of the pear export capitals of the world. And it's such a quaint, small community. But without the county fair there, which I ended up going back and managing when I was in my early 20s, and without agriculture as a whole, that entire region would be in a really, really poor position economically. Like Those are some of the biggest economic incubators within the entire county. And so it really showed me from such a young age that agriculture can be the heartbeat of a community and the importance of preserving that. So when I tell people here, now that I live in Wyoming, that I'm originally from California, I think sometimes people tend to think that I'm from, you know, a more metropolitan area, but I'm from somewhere that if it's after 9 p.m., there's not going to be a restaurant, even fast food open in town. <laughs> and so I'm from a really rural, really ag-based community. And it's been um, incredibly interesting going from growing up in that type of community to then living in the Bay Area near wine country in California to then coming here to Wyoming and just seeing the political landscape and the differences and being able to figure out how you can work with anybody for the greater good, regardless of their beliefs or your beliefs, 
we can all come together and make sure we're making a positive difference. You beat me to my questions because that's exactly what I wanted to to sort of talk through is, you know, what was the difference between being in California and that experience and now being in Wyoming? But it sounds like that small town life, that was that's home, right? That part feels feels very much like what you've grown up with and what you're used to. But you did have that Bay Area experience and bringing that and being able to work with all walks of life, as you just said, to what you're doing with the Wyoming State Fair. That's very important, you know, like that look at the entire scope of who we are as human beings and how politics and everything else plays into it. It's a bigger picture than even one person can solve and wrap their arms around. But you've got experience in both places. Yes, and I think that's helped me a lot to be able to kind of find that common ground with folks, regardless of their backgrounds, to be able to showcase what is valuable about the state fair or about the events that are produced here, no matter what somebody's beliefs are, because there's something for everybody at the state fair, and that is such a great way for us to come together and remember that a lot of times we're a lot more alike than we want to believe. That is so true, especially in today's climate. One of my favorite common ground pieces to talk through is horses. I feel like they're a great equalizer. There's so many people from all walks of life that just love them, see them, have their own stories and journeys with them. So I have to ask you, how have horses influenced your life? So I could not agree with you more. There's so much diversity within the equine space. And I have to admit, I am a horse girl by proxy because I grew up having to leave our house in May and we wouldn't come home till October. So it really limited what we could have in terms of animals that we owned. But growing up, I would quite literally go on the pony rides until I'd fall asleep. We were really good friends with um, Happy Day Pony Ride. And any time that I could be near horses, I just felt so at ease. And I still feel like that today. And today my relationship with them is really such a cool thing because we've got so much diversity here at the fairgrounds that we're able to work with partners everything from our quarter horse shows to ropings we've got mustang shows um, rodeos breakaway barrel racing everything to equine therapy and so it gives me the opportunity to work hand in hand with a lot of different entities and a lot of different groups so we can make sure that we're showcasing all of the diversity that the equine space has to offer and telling all those stories. So it's been incredibly influential and I just have so much respect for equine as an entire industry because there's so much to it. It's just the tip of the iceberg when you look at one element. And so today being able to sort of be a steward and a host to all of those different various equestrian events throughout the year I am so grateful for that opportunity to be engaged in the equine space in that capacity. Well, the equine industry is thankful for you and everyone in your profession, because as much as I don't know what agriculture looks like without fairs and events, I really don't know what the equine industry looks like without those places to gather and compete and show off our horses. I mean, that is what we are all thriving on, right? That's what we live for. And we couldn't do it without people like you and facilities like yours who are dedicated to giving us the space and time to do it. It's the best part. Well, and it's so symbiotic because we need each other. We have the space and we want to be able to showcase those events and even little things like here at the Wyoming State Fairgrounds, we're able to do a punch card system where folks that don't have indoor riding areas 
can come and ride for a few hours at a time here throughout the winter. So it's just one more way that we can support community vitality, but also people being able to connect with their horses on a year round basis here at the fairgrounds. So it's really like, it's so important to us to have those relationships as well. That is huge. Also, I'm going to haul my horse up there right now because not all like county and state fairgrounds offer that option. And I just, I've always wondered why, because exactly what you said, and I want them all to come listen to your episode, that it adds to that community vitality. It gives them a space to connect with their horses and honestly with each other, right? Like I can't tell you how many people I've met in the middle, in the dead of winter, going to God only knows what indoor arena so that I can get some riding time. And we're all kindred spirits. We're all bundled up there together. <laughs> Certainly. And we've had the last few years, a couple of different contractors stewarded by the same main point of contact to come in and do equine therapy too. And that's been such a huge thing to be able to serve as an incubator for that because it's so important. So you see people that have maybe never had any type of interaction with a horse that are coming out and they're doing that type of therapeutic exercise with the equine. And it's so beautiful to see the connection between humans and horses because it's something that can transcend any type of background, any type of challenges to have that type of connectivity. Oh, you said it best. Absolutely. That is a space in the equine world and really in the therapy world that I think is blossoming. I mean, there's been a ton of attention to it and a lot of research around it really coming to light over the last few years. It's always been part of our culture. And we know those who are around horses and who have seen these like seemingly magical transformations of of anybody who is struggling, you know, either physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera, get around a horse. But now the research community is really finding ways to back that up in new and profound, exciting studies. And I think, like you said, we're just at the tip of the iceberg of what what does that mean for our entire world? And it's maybe a new fun frontier for agriculture to relate to a whole new pool of people, again, by way of the horse. Yep. Oh, that was beautifully said. Well, Courtney, this has been so much fun to get to know you. You are just such a gem and I'm so thankful that you are part of this industry and I'm so honored that we are part of this group together. I can't wait to meet you in Texas as part of Cowgirl Magazine 30 Under 30. I have never been to Fort Worth, so I am very much looking forward to being like the crazy mountain Colorado girl coming down to Texas. (laughs) It'll be so fun. I'm so excited to get to meet you in person and we'll go and explore the stockyards together. It's really, really fun. I love Uh it there. I can't wait. Will you be my tourist buddy? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm taking a second suitcase with me too. So that way we can go to the good shopping. (laughs) Perfect. Oh my gosh. I'm so in for that. Well, thank you again for coming on and sharing your story and talking about what you do for the industry, what you have done and what you will do. And I think we're all going to be watching you and waiting to see what you do next. And I, I think I speak for the state of Wyoming saying that we're thankful that you were part of this and able to champion a new future. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's so great getting to know you. And I really, really appreciate the opportunity to connect. Thanks for riding along in this episode with Courtney Conkle. Stay tuned for more episodes with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30.